You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Good job, everyone. It's so lovely to share this sitting practice with you. It's a special time that we come together and join our energy to create a very powerful vibration of spiritual practice, of sadhana. There are so many things that could be done at this time right now, but we have chosen to gather together and share this meditation practice, this sadhana, this spiritual practice. And this makes a difference in your life and also in the world. Because first of all, we cannot change the world just like that. We have to change ourselves. So only by changing ourselves do we have any hope of changing the world. Otherwise, even with our best intentions, we go out and try to make a change. And all that happens is we perpetuate whatever misery, whatever seeds of disharmony are carried within ourselves. So we must work on ourselves. And in this way, we can work on the world. Then we will be more effective in whatever action we take in the world. I said we should not, uh, some people become perfectionistic and say, oh, then I have to lock myself in the closet until I attain samadhi. And then only after I attain samadhi, then I'll go interact with other beings. Oh no, it's not like that. We have to have this combination of interacting with the world, using our experiences in the world to shine a mirror on ourselves. And then to use the sadhana, the spiritual practice, to work on that, to get better, to work on those obstacles we contain within ourselves. And then work on that and become better so that then we can again re-engage with the world and become again more effective. So that instead of you know, spreading more disharmony, we can spread harmony to the degree to which we have removed those seeds of anger, hatred, ill will within ourselves. To that degree, we can consider to be, you know, a, a light on the path, you could say. So we have, I don't know about you, but I anyhow feel I have lots of work left to do on this path. So let's see if there are some questions that have come in. So someone says it was their first meditation. That's very nice. I'm glad that you joined. These are a little longer meditations than, um, than we, than I sometimes share, uh, in like a pre-recorded format, because I think when we come together as a group, there's a more powerful energy that we can tap into. So Adinda, who's been joining since January, says that the meditations feel much easier now and that she feels a progress. So good work. I'm sure that many of you who have been joining for a while can also feel that it gets better like anything else. We have meditation endurance. Um, so for example, if you only sit once in a while, then the body aches right away. So if you sit for five minutes, even five minutes can be a small torture. You know, if you try to sit still for that time, the feet can immediately fall asleep and do this or that. But meditation, you develop an endurance. Similarly, the mind also kind of has a feeling. It, it, uh, it, it, just like we can practice any state of being, the more you enter the state of meditation, the easier it is for the mind to meditate. So when we think about this, we're entering into a state of deep emotional, it's like we're, we're emotional regulation. We're shifting our brain waves down. 
And this is uh, something very powerful. You can feel a shift. So when you're thinking about this, five minutes is the minimum it takes to experience some qualitative shift from meditation work. 20 minutes is the minimum amount of time before we can shift out of the beta frequency into the alpha state. So in these sits that we do together, I always like us to sit for a minimum of 20 minutes, sometimes a little longer, but minimum of 20 minutes before we transition to the meta practice. We have transitions that gives our, our brains a chance to move away from the external world into a more drop-down state. Then when we're in the more drop-down state, then we can begin to practice metta. <clears throat> and you can think about tilling the soil in the, in the grounds of the mind and making this, the soil like a receptive to the seeds so that the, they can become planted in a good earth. Mm -hmm. I see one question that's popped into the chat. Francisca says, thank you. She has a question, and the question is, I sometimes have thoughts, insights that I would like to remember and don't want to ignore to go back to the breath. I feel like jotting them down in the middle of meditation would disturb the meditation. What should I do? Oh, this is a good question. Sometimes we have a lot of thoughts, and those thoughts are so good, very insightful thoughts. Oh, wonderful. We can begin to write, you know, like a poetry. They go, this is this poem. This, was, this, is, this is the poem that will define this decade, I should write this down, this beautiful poetry. We hear a tune and we think this is the song that will make me famous. Let me go write these notes down, you know, if you're a composer or something like this. Just a great idea. I better go and write this down right now. I've had that numerous times. First of all, if the idea is, or thought is truly insightful, you're going to remember it after. So don't stop the meditation and go write it down. Otherwise, if you have a busy mind with a lot of creative ideas, you will never meditate. Second, if the idea pops up and then you sit and you continue sitting, the idea will only get better and better and better. But if you break your meditation, go and write it down, you have stopped the process work that the spirit is doing through you. So that thought has come up, right? Let it be there. Back to the breath. Let it be there. Trust that it's there. If you need to, you can check on it a little bit. Oh, that thought, it's still there. Great. Back to the breath. You won't lose it. But when you write it down at the end, you'll be in a more... You'll just be in a more deeper space to actually, uh, you know, process and potentially work on that. So let's see. Valentina says it was her first meditation. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining. So Valentina says my body was aching a lot and my feet went to sleep. So I had to stretch my legs. But I've learned a lot and I want to carry on. So Valentina, if you keep practicing, then uh, your legs get the endurance also. So you eventually... The legs don't fall asleep in the beginning. In the beginning, it's, very, it's like even five minutes can be a torture. The feet fall asleep, you get to pin the needles, you shift the position, and then we chase some idea of comfortability. But the, the reality is that every meditation position is pretty much uncomfortable sooner or later. So we just have to find the position that we can accept the torture a little bit with the full recognition that as long as you sit in a comfortable, reasonable position, you're not putting your legs behind the head and trying to take meditation, then no pain that you feel will lead to injury. Your feet fall asleep, let them sleep. Let them sleep. What do you do when the feet fall asleep? It's extremely annoying, the instruction, but it really works. You observe, my feet have fallen asleep. And then you return to the breath. If you have too much analytical mind, then you can start to dissect the sensation of sleepy feet. And the right foot is throbbing and pulsating. And the left foot feels like someone's sawing it off at the ankle. And then now I return to the breath. So you can become more sort of analytical, return to the breath. Oh, now my feet not only are asleep, now the whole lower leg is sleeping. 
Can you feel those pins and needles on the right side and strong stabbing sensations all over the left side? Back to the breath. Then you can even rate your level of reactivity. Whole legs falling asleep on a scale of one to 10. Reactivity level 10. I very much don't like this. Back to the breath. So in this way, it's useful. So you can find a little humor with it as well. You know, because what is this? What are we freaking out about? The feet are falling asleep. It's okay. You know, worse things have happened in our lives. And yet here we are reacting as though it is the worst thing that's ever happened to us. Oh, I got to move my foot. I got to move my foot. And so we learn to train a little bit, you know. And then in this way, the next time in the life circumstance, when something really, really, really annoying happens, you can observe without immediately reacting. Observe, this other annoying situation has happened. Oh, look, my flight has been canceled. Reactivity level 10. Hmm. Let me just observe this. I don't need to yell at everyone around me. I can just observe. My reactivity level is high. I feel lots of anger inside of myself. I would like to direct my anger at this person, this person, this person, this person, or any being that seems to come into my path right now. However, I will just observe. Let me just sit here for a little bit. And in this way, we are literally making the world a better place. We react from anger in that moment. Maybe the anger, you think, oh, this is valid. I'm going to go yell at this person. Cancel my flight. You know, you have some reason. This is valid. I will go yell right now. Okay. Is that going to achieve anything? Are they going to put the flight back on the schedule because you're yelling? Oh, no. Not unless you have a private airplane. Okay. At this point, then you have no reason to be yelling at anybody. Right. So if we think about if we think about that, then again we just we can just redirect our attention inward again. Really, really, really useful. Sophia has a question. What are your recommendations for creating and maintaining a daily meditation practice? Same time every day. Try to sit for minimum five minutes. Same time every day. I like first thing in the morning because it sets my mind, but you could also do lunch hour or you could also do end of the day. This is important. Same time every day, start off with five minutes a day, then continue from there. Don't aim for the moon in the beginning. You want to aim humble and let it build. So Melissa has a question. <clears throat> Melissa says, during the practice, when you guide us to bring the mind to the breath, I check my mind and it's like a fog. And that I keep trying to grab the fog. Is that a normal process as an experience? <clears throat> well, you don't... It's interesting. Yes, yeah, so the, the foggy mind is something that is uh, an obstacle. So we've all felt foggy. The mind is not dull. It's called this, this a thickness, this dullness. Um, uh, this is uh, called jnana in Sanskrit. So this thickness, this dullness is an obstacle of the mind. So what can you do? You can observe. Oh, my mind is very thick, very dull, like a fog. Foggy mind. Return to the breath. Then if you have a hard time feeling the breath, give yourself one, just one kind of quick breath in. So then you can keep a contact. Oh, there was my breath. And in this way, you'll train the mind. When the mind is foggy, you'll have a technique. What can I do? Oh, I observe my mind is foggy. Back to the breath. Mm -hmm. So the reason why the same time is important every day is because we want to keep a ritual and we want to keep regularity. If every day, a different time of meditation is happening, unless it's a special event, it just creates too much um, difficulty and confusion for the mind. We want to we want to create a program so that the body is kind of going on a on a you know a program, just like you brush your teeth at the same time every day. You don't want to brush the teeth randomly. Let me randomly brush my teeth at seven, then at nine, then at ten. We want to keep it as as a, as regular as possible. Okay, Frederica has a question. Frederica says, "I recently experienced a surge of energy during meditation. Do you know where that came from?" I feel like my head is being pulled upward and my eyes are shutting harder. It's so strange. 
meditation can open up all sorts of very intense experiences. Whether uh, these are experiences of one type or another can be registered as positive or negative. So what we have to understand is that constantly there is an interaction between the, the mind and matter or between spirit and matter, between the spiritual being that we are and the manifested human being that we are. Sometimes weird things happen. Close our eyes and we meditate. We open up a portal uh, that kind of encourages uh, awakening, transformation, and healing. Now, you don't need to know what's going on. Sometimes we get an insight and we know what's happening. Other times we don't know. All you can do then is observe. You just observe. Oh, I feel energy, surge of energy, surge of energy. Don't try to investigate it and say, oh, this is where it came from. Because then we generate attachment. Oh, I want to hold on to this. Or we'll come back and where is my surge of energy? Oh, I've lost my surge of energy. Oh, I missed my energy surge. Then we've created attachment. And we're moving away from the path. So just observe whatever it is. Just observe whatever it is. Okay. So uh, Ty has a fun question. I'll make this one the last question for today. Uh, Ty says, I was doing really well until my cat got involved. So Ty wants to know, any tips to get cats to meditate also? Cats love meditation, but they don't like to let you meditate. They become very interested in you when you're meditating. And they say, oh, you're meditating. Oh, it's a wonderful time to irritate you. Or it's a wonderful time to let me sit on you. So if the cat can settle and sit on you, if you have the type of cat that settles, you can let it be there. If the cat is going to jump on you and distract you, you have to find the room without the cat, unfortunately. You know, uh, this is it's just unfortunately. I, 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 you know, Tim and I, we had a cat for some time. Actually, I had two cats, one outside and one inside. We had the cat that after she could, she could meditate for maybe five minutes. But after five minutes, she thought, now is the time you have to stop this meditation business and pet me. Then she would wake up and start this paw thing where she would do this patty cake thing on you while you're meditating. Either you have to be very equanimous and be like a stone and just observe cat patty caking me, you know, or you have to put the cat in the other room. It's quite as simple as that. Sometimes dogs can be trained a little more. So you can make some sound that indicates meditation and they go lie in the corner and then you make a sound and it's over. A very good dog can do this. And some friends of mine that they trained their dogs with the opening and closing prayers in the Ashtanga method. So then the dog would hear the opening prayer. The dog would go onto the cushion and lie there. And the dog would hear the closing prayer, would get up out of the cushion. Oh, now it's time for me to get up. It was so cute. Very well-trained. So it depends on how well-trained the animals are. Otherwise, the animal is the reason why the animals are a little attracted to you when you're meditating or doing yoga is because you have a good energy at that moment. They get attracted. Oh, this is I want to be a part of this. This looks cool. So this is nice on one level, but if it's distracting for you, then you have to uh, create your own space and then you can share that good energy with the pets in your life. And also you can include the pets in your meta. So you can send little love towards the pets. And this is very, very useful. You know, we all love our pets so much. They're just so cute and so cherished. So they're wonderful objects to send meta towards. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. 
So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.